and really proud of its heritage. And so we're sort of launching these. It's hilarious. We met up with Jackie as she was working on her shed yeah. out back. And, uh, <laughs> she was hanging a bunch of pictures. <laughs> From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. And we're back with another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and I've got Ryan here today as well. And we are at a little restaurant here in Nulu called Rye. Uh, tell us about it, Ryan. Yep, Rye's a great spot, you know, here in, like you said, Nulu. It's on Market Street, uh, downtown Louisville, which is a really up and coming area. There's tons of great restaurants and bars here. And Rye's a it's got a great uh, cocktail list, you know, a lot of bourbon-focused drinks. And their their food menu is great because it's always something different. Their chefs are really progressive. They, you know, really have some good food that I think if you're, you're doing the bourbon trail, you know, you're coming back downtown, you need a place to eat, that you want to get a great cocktail and a great meal, I think Rye would be a really cool spot. It's got a really cool ambiance and, and feel to it. It definitely is. And we were actually talking to our guest beforehand and it definitely has that kind of like speakeasy, dimly lit kind of feel when you come in and it's uh, pretty awesome when it, when it looks like that. So let's go ahead and, you know, cause we are talking about cocktails and we have uh, somebody who is uh, considered a master in, in the bartending world or a rock star, if you will. So uh, to date we have Jackie Zykan uh, or Zeken, Zykan, 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 Zykan. It's actually a pretty cool word to kind of talk about. <laughs> Get a few bourbons and you will just, we'll throw that one down once more. But Jackie is the master bourbon specialist for Old Forester. So Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Great. So let's kind of kick it off and we ask all of our guests. So kind of give us your 
coming to tale or coming to age story of how you got into bourbon or how bourbon kind of influenced you, your kind of affliction with it? Sure. So I'm originally from St. Louis. I've only been in Louisville for about five years now. Um, but I've always been a whiskey drinker. It just, I hate to say this, but it was always sort of a self-indulgent comedy to me that this little blonde was always sipping a whiskey at the bar when that was completely unexpected back home. So when I moved to Louisville, it was like Candyland. It was just amazing. I mean, so many different brands, so many different companies based here and all the history, they're all so rooted together. Um, so I've been bartending since the day I legally could. Um, it was a Sunday. I turned 21 and it was my Sunday bar shift. It was football Sunday. It was horrible. And I was probably <laughs> awful. Messed thrown everything up. Right. Thrown to the wolves, but glad to do so. Um, and just remained in that position all through college and kept it up, moved here, started bar managing, and then the restaurant group I was with just expanded. And so I grew with them and took a beverage director position with them, overseeing all of their different concepts. And like I said, you know, all the brands are based here. And so, of course, when someone needs a shaker for hire, you get to know these people on a, you know, independent contractor basis, sort of. And um, Old Forcer was just always... The most authentic and my favorite of all of them, I don't think I would have said yes to jumping out from behind the bar for any other brand mm -hmm. than this one, to be totally honest. So, Why is that? What, what is um, about this brand? That this brand is, I mean, it's Louisville's own. You know, it's the only bourbon that's actually made, aged, bottled, everything here start to finish. And it was always one of the best-kept bartender secret bourbons. Most bang for your buck, if you will. Um, it's definitely worth... Yeah, because I'm sure most people oh, yeah. know wood for reserve, but mm -hmm, absolutely. most people don't know it's Old Forester, you know, it's where it comes from. So. Well, okay. <laughs> well, here we so, go. Here oh, we go. here we start go the with the conversation. Start the myth debunking. So there are two actually very, very different bourbons from a production standpoint. So I think there's a lot of weird myths out there about how Woodford is just overpriced Old Forester or, you know, Old Forester's is cheap Woodford, et cetera, et cetera. There's actually a different wood used for the barrels and different aging and there's different production. Old Forester is strictly column still. Woodford is actually a, a mingling of pot still and column still. So it's, it's not every drop of juice meant to be Old Forester always ends up Old Forester. Every drop meant to be Woodford ends up Woodford and there's no sort of we're running low, let's pull from the stock this year kind of situation. Right. They're well, very distinct brands. Yeah. Now, we, now we you know. Put that one to rest, <laughs> There right? you go. <laughs> I wish we had some, like, sound effects we could put in, like, oh, busted, right? <laughs> now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's common, but, I mean, they're very, very different. They're very different strategically. I mean, Old Forester, it's, it's very, like, city mouse, country mouse in a way. Old Forester has always been this urban brand, and Woodford is... You know, the romance of the horses and the field and the old distillery and everything else. Mm -hmm. So, Old Forester is an industrialist, urban, the working, man. the working man's brand. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if you want to go that route, sure. So, let's talk about uh, what it is you actually do as a, as a master bourbon specialist. So, if, because hmm. I, we all kind of have these get thrown in these roles where you like get to make up, like, hey, this is what I get to do right. today. So, like, give us a kind of a, right. a, a day in the life of Jackie. Every day is different. Today I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> so sometimes it's media interviews such as this. Uh, there's a lot of travel involved for sure. I act as a spokesperson for the brand on a global scale, so I'm all over the place. Um, there's a lot of staff trainings, whiskey trainings, cocktail trainings, all the video content, stuff that you see on our Facebook page, Instagram, all of that is my face. Mm-hmm whether you want it to be or not. <laughs> um, the recipe 
construction for the website, all of that, that whole strategy comes from my hands. Um, this year, I was lucky enough to start working with Chris on the birthday bourbon mm-hmm. process. So that'll be really cool to get more in depth into the production side of things as opposed to just the marketing side of things. Right. Because I have a science background, and so that's what's tickled me from the get-go. It's just sort of everything coming together I guess what what makes you excited about that, right? Because I have read that you have that kind of science background. Mm-hmm. You've got a huge background in bartending and mixology. Mm-hmm. And so how does that all like play a culmination to, to where you are now? I know it sounds really strange, um, but I originally set out to study biology and chemistry to go to medical school and changed my mind halfway through, which I hard, think hard, most hard people... Hard right turn. Right, hard right, hard right. Um, I graduated in 2008 and it was not the year to try to find a job, I mm-hmm. think, the only job offer I had was to be a seed counter for a company I shall not name. And I'm glad I said no, because now, you know, here we are talking about it. Right. Um, but the interest always laid in alcohol and spirits and bitters is having medicinal origins. And that always tickled my fancy a little bit. And to be perfectly honest, I am not... I don't know. My PR manager is probably going to freak out about me <laughs> saying this, but I... She's looking over your shoulder. I know. She, <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut. Um, I definitely am a little bit more raw about things from time to time, I think. It's mm-hmm. it's refreshing from the conservative Brown Foreman standpoint that it's a little bit more... I don't want to say edgy because I don't consider myself edgy. But oh, at the same time, though, um, where am I going with this? We got to cut through the BS sometimes, Right. Exactly. There you go. So I come from a position from one side of the bar that I really enjoyed and really loved doing cocktails and really loved the whole history of all of the spirits. Um, and I love the physical nature of the job. You're constantly running around, squatting, turning, shaking. You know, it was just nonstop. Um, it just, it was fun. Bartending is fun. You get to meet a lot of people. Some you like, some you don't. You know, like it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, the whole no BS side of it, you also meet a lot of sales reps and suppliers and all of these people who are peddling all these different products and they're all in a suit and they're all like memorizing statements that when I got to the level of doing bar management and beverage directing and I was actually dealing with them on a regular basis, I couldn't stand it. And I don't know. I don't know if I was ever perceived as being hard to work with or not, <laughs> but just I don't appreciate the line, you know, just tell me what it is and then we'll right. make a decision based on that. So can we not just be honest and authentic about things? Like, right. What's so hard about that? So, like I said, that's part of the reason why Old Forester. There's nothing to hide. I mean, it's just really good whiskey. There's mm-hmm. no like weird made-up marketing story and fake great grandfathers. Like, it is what it is. You right. don't have to church it up to be anything else. And that's that's we've we've had plenty of interviews where we've debunked the history of some of the brands right. and how they're just figments of the imagination. So, I mean, I guess. Uh, you know, how well are you versed in the old Forster history? Because I, I think we'd love to dive into that. A little bit. Okay. So let's <laughs> let's talk about it a little bit. So, you know, Old Forster is produced by Brown Foreman and it's one of their flagship brands. And from my reading, what I can gather, it's the longest running bourbons on the market today, spanning almost 145 years. And it was all started by a, a guy named George Garvin Brown. Could you what do you know about George Brown and, and what how because Around here, the, the name has a lot of money. The name Brown has a very, <laughs> yeah. very big stigma and like has a lot of prominence here in Louisville. So I guess kind of talked about you know what what he did, uh, kind of what he did behind Old Forester for sure. So the Brown family, um, and we can knock off one of the Old Forester 
big questions right off the bat as to why it's spelled with just E or without an E, it's spelled with just a Y instead of the EY, like most bourbons are. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about Scottish heritage here. So as a general rule of thumb, any whiskey that comes from the country that doesn't have an E in it doesn't have an E in the whiskey. Right. It's easy to remember that way. So checkbox, got that done. one out of the way. All right. <laughs> Cheat sheet. All right. So George Garvin Brown sort of serves as this like quintessential example of the industrialist, like the feel of America. I mean, people came here on a boat because they were told there was somewhere great to go, but they didn't know where they were going. And it was months and you hope you make the trip and like, then you have to survive once you get there. It's a work ethic and it's dedication. And George Garvin Brown was a man who was really, really good at seeing opportunity, not taking advantage of it, but seizing it in the right way. So at Old Forcer, we sort of hang our hat on this whole first bottle of bourbon situation, mm-hmm. right? George Garvin Brown started out as a pharmaceutical sales rep. And in this time, we're talking about whiskey being sold by the barrel exclusively. You can't see in a barrel. You can throw anything in there and call it whiskey and spread it out and make more profit on it. Why wouldn't you just put it in a bottle? Someone had to say that eventually, and it was right. so great. Um but it's already sealed. You already know. It, it's I wouldn't so actually. I, I don't even know what to do if I bought a barrel of bourbon nowadays. Be- <laughs> <laughs> you can, and we'll sell you one. But, so back then, you go, you know, get your little jug, and you go to the pharmacy or the apothecary, and you fill it up with quote unquote whiskey, and hope that it's good. But I mean, that could be tobacco juice. It could be anything in mm-hmm. there just to make it look right. There's a huge opportunity there. Of okay, why didn't you just seal it? Why didn't you just seal it so you know it's always going to be the same and you know it's always going to be good? So George Garvin Brown seizes this opportunity um, and uses sort of the the first celebrity spokesperson, if you will, for a bourbon brand, uh, Dr. Forrester. That's where we get the name Old Forrester. Mm-hmm. And I know that you had on your list somewhere something about the extra R. We have to talk about we the gotta extra talk R. got to talk about the like, R. Why was that, the R dropped or was it ever R. there? It was there. It was there. So Dr. Forrester was a Civil War surgeon, very, very well known. We're talking about an era of whiskey for medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. So, of course, this prestigious physician, let's tag his name onto it. If he stands behind it, of course, it's got to be a great product, correct? When he was no longer a practicing physician, it was deemed by George Garvin Brown, this is no longer appropriate to use his name. He's no longer a physician. Mm -hmm. Drop one R. It's technically not his name anymore. Right. So there you go. There were two R's for the doctor. Retires. Now there's one R. So old Forrester. No royalties have to be spent. Yeah, it's like. Well, it's I like, didn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Doctor Colgate. Now we got to start calling him like Doctor Cogate, right? You just yeah. drop the L. <laughs> Spell it with a K. Yeah, same, right? No, no, no. So that's where we are. I mean, that's 1870. We're talking wagons. I mean, there's still like Germany's not even a country at this point. Like, there's not even a catalog in existence at this point. We're talking a long time mm-hmm. ago, as far as American history goes. Right. A long time ago, right? So, yeah, and we it's never gone away. Mm-hmm. It's never been, or it hasn't been the most popular bourbon for 145 years. But that just shows the dedication the family had because the Browns. It's been George Harden Brown of Brown Foreman. Mm-hmm. It's been the whole family. The same, the same family this entire time. And right. so this is what they started on. This was the mark of quality that the entire brand started on. This was the original product. This wasn't an acquisition. This is our great-great-grandfather legitimately 
delighted in this brand and we're going to keep it going and drink it at Thanksgiving every year in his honor. Right. And, and I guess to kind of go with that, you know, when he first started, um, he was acquiring barrels and kind of like doing that because you know, he wasn't, he was oh, a yeah. pharmacist, right? You know, he wasn't a distiller. Or exactly. Whatever. So I guess kind of how did, how did Old Forester get to the, the part where they've got a distillery and a showcase and like all right. that kind of stuff, right? So we pulled from three different distilleries in the beginning, Atherton, Melwood, and Mattingly. And then in 1902, we actually ended up purchasing the Mattingly Distillery but it's not like, I know there's a lot of judgment nowadays about you don't distill your own. You just go and pick barrels from some warehouse in Indiana or what have you. This wasn't like that. This was a close business relationship that we had with Mattingly Distillery the entire time. And the demand was high enough where we needed to take ownership of the production there. So it's different then. It's completely different. So we start in 1870. We're 90 proof. We're mingling three different distilleries juice to make a consistent flavor profile of what it should be. Whiskey should be 90 proof. It should taste this way. It should be balanced in these different aspects. And then the whole bottled and bond controversy comes in. I know you guys are fortunate enough to be drinking 1897 bottled and bond right now during this interview. The bottled and bond act was, I mean, there's a lot of 100 proof four-year-old whiskey on the market. That's not quality. It doesn't mean quality. It just means it's 100 proof four years old, one distillery, one distillery. You guys know the whole Mm -hmm. bottled and bond situation. So we didn't want to bond our whiskey because we're 90 proof. Well, you can't be the one guy that doesn't bond your whiskey when everyone's saying, well, there's rectified whiskey and then there's distilled whiskey and yours is going to be quality and yours isn't. So, of course, we go along with it. Hence why we celebrate that great decision by introducing the Whiskey Row series that you guys are sipping on right now. Right, right. That's awesome. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Let's, uh, I guess, fast forward, rewind, whatever it is, about 1920 during Prohibition, mm-hmm. right? Because Prohibition was a, was a dark time for for a lot of these. A, a lot of companies went out of business because 
barrels were getting seized. They were getting destroyed. Um, many companies just went under because uh, at that time you couldn't sell your stock. You couldn't give it away at that point. So I guess a good question for you is how did Old Forester survive that? And, and what kind of kept that going past Prohibition? So there were a limited number of medicinal whiskey permits thrown out there during Prohibition. There were six of them. There were 10, but I want to say that only six were used and we were number six. We actually had the ability to, within the reasons and within all of their rules, produce as needed during Prohibition. Um, so we never stopped being available. There was there were certain windows when you could distill and certain volumes to which you could distill, but we, we just never went away. I mean, which speaks a lot. There's some brands that were there before and some that, you know, came back right afterwards once everybody mm-hmm. could drink again. Not drink again, I guess, but sell it again because everyone drank <laughs> Legally, the whole. Let's be honest yeah. here. No one stopped <laughs> drinking. But yeah, we just we were there the entire time. So we're talking about medicinal whiskey. We're talking about bonded whiskey. We're talking about Hunter Proof straight through until 1933. So Old Forester definitely takes it as a point of pride. You know, we've never gone away. We've always been on the market in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. Right. And then, so there was a, something that you hinted at earlier about how the difference between Old Forester and Woodford and how they're using different kind of woods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you're you're very unique in the fact that Brown Foreman actually owns its own cooperage. It does own its right? own cooperage. Uh, like it's one of, if not the only brand. I that, think it or, is the only. Yeah, exactly. So I guess kind of talk about uh, what that means and, and part of the process. and Absolutely. So Brown Foreman whiskeys using Brown Foreman barrels. So Jack Daniels, Woodford, early times, Old Forcer, we all have our own wood. Like I hinted at earlier, you can't see inside a barrel. It's, you know, when you're buying barrels on the open market, you're trusting that it's being toasted or charred to a certain specification. But really, are you peeking in? Like, are you taking a flashlight to the bunghole? Like, no, mm-hmm. no one does that. So it's a huge part of the flavor of bourbon. I mean, bourbon is oak. Let's be totally honest with you. It's a whiskey category that uses fresh new oak. It's charred. Every ounce of color in there is coming from the barrel. So much of the flavor is coming from the barrel that we really think it's, in the quality sense, so important to control that process from start to finish. So yes, Old Forester has its own specific barrels. Woodford has its own. Jack Daniels has its own. Early Times uses, Early Times whiskey uses used barrels. Early Times bourbon uses new barrels, but Mm -hmm. that's an export item. So yeah, it's important. Yeah, and and I guess with that, let's talk about the the I guess you could say the four pillars of of Old Forest, maybe five, right? I guess because we don't have the birthday bourbon here, uh, what we're looking it's at. Down, but Rye has it. It's oh, downstairs. Yeah, okay. We let's, can always. Yeah, let's go sneak down. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I guess kind of talk about the different variants uh, of each of the brands uh, and kind of talk a little bit about each of them and kind of what makes it more unique or special compared to the, sure. the next. So. And we have them all on the table here, so this will be easy to go through. Starting from Old Forester 86 Proof. 86 Proof, this is introduced in the late 50s, early 60s, when cocktails are starting to become popular. And when I say cocktails, I mean highballs. I mean light blended whiskeys, vodkas, gins, things of that starting to creep into the scene. This is our response. Where was Old Forester up until then? We were bonded. We, we were bonded in 1897, and we remained bonded up until... We'll talk about Signature next. But so at this point... Late 50s, we've got 86 and a branch of Bonded, mm-hmm. right? All right. So this is about four years old. It's 
Yeah. About four years old, but it doesn't drink four years old. It drinks more of a six, seven-year-old because we actually use heat cycle warehouses. Not a lot. I mean, I don't think anybody else uses those. It was pretty common practice, um, but we use steam heat. Once the temperature drops down around 62 degrees Fahrenheit or so, we crank on the heat so that we're making sure to maximize exposure of that fluid inside the staves. So we're sort of force aging it. We're maturing it right. more so than its chronological age. Um, so in the 90s... We need consistency. Is anybody really like only drinking bonded whiskey in the 90s? No. I mean, right. it was so all over the place. To produce a consistent product, we pull ourselves out of bonds. The main difference here is that this is a blend of six to 12 year whiskey and not just one distiller season. So the signature 100 proof is a blend of six to 12 year old bourbon. Um, again, though, it's not drinking like six to 12 year old bourbon. It's drinking much higher than that. When I say six to 12 year old, I mean it's majority of six, mostly young. Right. But as barrels age, you guys mentioned a little thing about birthday bourbon, which we're not drinking, but it is out there, I swear. <laughs> um, I've got a few bottles at with home. With that so lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not to say if a barrel goes bad, there's no bad here. It's just if it's sort of creating a weird outlier in the lot, it's got to go somewhere. You don't just let it die in the warehouse. So where do you think it goes? It goes into Signature. There it's you a little go. insider secret. <laughs> um, Take note. There you go. So those are two what I like to call modern expressions. And then we have Whiskey Row. So there are more to come with Whiskey Row, but so far we have the 1870 and 1897. Um, earlier we talked about how we used to pull from three different distilleries. So in order to honor that practice, we have pulled from three different warehouses for each of these. Because at that time in Old Forester's history, that's what we were doing. And so mm-hmm. we're sort of trying to commemorate where we were back then. These don't have any modern filtration on them. They're run through a sieve and taking the barrel chunks out and watering them back to whatever proof we need, and that's it. So I don't know what the perception is about the clouding once you add ice or water to bourbon. Some people think it's a sign of quality. Some people think it's a flaw. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, you're leaving a lot of oils in there by not chill filtering the bourbon. Right. So these guys are not chill filtered. The, 1890s, or the 1870 is 90 proof because that's where we started. 1897 is 100 proof because it's bottled and bond, obviously. They're both about four years old. So what was the, I guess, market reaction of having to bring two new types of uh, labels to the market for this new like whiskey row edition? Uh, I don't know what the market's reaction. I mean, it's been positive so far. But as far as Old Forester as a brand, we're very proud of our heritage. And the whole purpose of the Whiskey Row series is to celebrate milestones in our history here in Kentucky. So... We started in 1870, so of course the first one we released out of the series was 1870. Try to mimic it. I mean, these are very, more of our boutique line, if you will. I mean, it's not secretly and highly allocated like birthday bourbon. It's definitely more readily available than that, and it is a permanent line extension. Um, but we're talking 21 barrels being pulled for a dump of this stuff, seven barrels out of each of three warehouses. So it's a pretty small lot, if you think about it. It's like, you know, there's no yeah. typical thing as a small batch Right, bourbon. it doesn't exist. But, but 21's pretty damn small. Right. Compared to our other, I mean, the 86 and the Signature are 200 barrels at a time. So mm-hmm. it definitely takes a lot more skill and strategy to fine-tune a flavor profile with a smaller amount of barrels than it does with a big amount of barrels. It's sort of like just keep adding things to a punch until it tastes good. You know, the more things you put in there, the more just... Yeah, Red yeah. Bull, Why Everclear. did you just look at him so clear? Like, remember that time? No, it's all good. <laughs> so we start with 1870 and then the bottle of Monarch, obviously, and the timeline comes along next, 1897. We have a few more releases, but ultimately they lead up to the opening of our new distillery. Um, 
I say new, but new. We're going back into a building that we were in yeah, so many years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. exactly. So that's the whole point of saying Whiskey Row series. Whiskey Row in Louisville, I'm sure you guys, I mean, you guys are bourbon geeks, if you will. Yes, um, we actually, we interviewed. You are nerds. Yeah, well, we actually, you know, we remember, uh, I forget the episode, but we interviewed Marianne, who was the preservation, uh, for Preservation Louisville on actually help saving Whiskey Row. So, um, so yeah, we've, we're pretty familiar with it. Yeah. So, I mean, we started on Whiskey Row further down the street in what's now an interior design building, but the location on Whiskey Row that we were in, we're going back to that same spot. Um, the new distillery will open there. I say new distillery. We have a distillery, I swear. We just don't do public tours in that distillery because it was built in the 30s and was not meant for pub. No one went on public bourbon tours yeah. in the 30s, you know, so. It's very industrial. Not it's quite. very industrial. Vintage industrial, if you will. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a gorgeous space. I mean, it's really cool to get the behind the scenes tour there if you ever do get a chance to do that. But we definitely need to share our whole process because start to finish, we own the process. So at the new distillery, you'll see barrels being raised. There's fermentation, there's distillation, there's things are going into the barrel, things are coming out and getting bottled there. It's the whole experience top to bottom. No other brand has that. Right. no one else really has their own barrels, so no one can really ever own that space. But you get to see Old Forester and every single element that makes it what it is in the bottle. That's interesting. So I guess we'll talk about the uh, the one shining light that a lot of people are always the bottle chasing, right? So let's talk about the birthday bourbon just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just, just give, a little. Just give some, some listeners kind of like an idea of um, why was it created and why is it so special? Okay, so birthday bourbon is released in September in Kentucky. I say that. It's not everywhere in September. Um, It sort of ripples out into the markets after that. But it's to celebrate George Garvin Brown as our founder's birthday. It comes out to celebrate his birthday. It's gone in an hour Mm -hmm. or less than an hour. Um, It sort of depends on the lot of whiskey. So it's about 12 years old. It's made from one day's production. It's very, very carefully looked after by our master distiller through its entirety of maturation and every year is completely different. That's that's what's so amazing about it. It's it's about the same age every single year. It's a different proof because whiskey expresses itself differently at different proofs. And so he identifies which one after he dumps the barrels it's going to be tasting best at. Um, I actually had the pleasure of helping him out with that this year. It's a really cool experience to be able to proof birthday bourbon. I mean, years back I was bartending and I'm proofing <laughs> birthday bourbon. Like, pinch right. me, you know, yeah. so... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great. A lot of people say, well, I got more last year. There's less going on. You're creating a fake shortage. A lot of people get accused of fake shortages. No, no not it's the just demand. It's, it's it's and demand. as we expand in more markets, it's diluted out, you know, and not everyone gets as much. And demand definitely plays a huge role in it. Um, I used to always... Coming from behind the bar, I used to always think the whole, sometimes we open barrels and they're empty was completely a myth, but not the case at all. The day we pulled samples to proof, actually one of the barrels was completely dead and it was the saddest sight ever. It was like a skeleton of what would have been amazing bourbon and it was just like dry and crinkly and hanging out in the corner. So it does happen. <laughs> it, it does. It I, does I happen. A, a private barrel selection that happened, a barrel, it only, oh, no. it only had about... <laughs> 12 bottles left in it. And it was oh. the best one of the batch. And we were like, well, oh, I bet. and they're like, sorry, can't sell this one to you. I like, yeah. Dang. I mean, this year's birthday, am I allowed to speak on this? Absolutely. I can't tell you what the proof is, <laughs> but I can tell you. What about you, the color of the tag? Because the color changes every year, right? I can't tell you the color. I can't tell you <laughs> any of that. What I can tell you is it was from a very high floor and 
Some of the bottles sat by a window, so they were nice and honey blonde and sun-kissed and gorgeous. I can tell you that at least one of the 93 in that lot was empty, and I can tell you that what came out of the rest that I know of was delicious. So that's all that's we, all we can that's say. All we well, that's fantastic. So let's let's start wrapping up a little bit. So we'll, we'll talk a, a little bit about your cocktails, right? So okay. give yeah, us some of, the, for this. some of the some of the more like known, like really well known cocktails that that you make with either Old Forest or any kind of whiskey in general that that maybe people. Uh, maybe want to know more about. Sure. So Old Forester, we like to hang our hat on the old-fashioned um, for no other reason than it's a very spirit-forward driven drink. I mean, it's simply, in our minds, bitter sugar in Old Forester, um, but it lets the spirit shine through. The cocktails we have in our strategy go all the way from tiki drinks to classics, I mean, across the board. Number one, I want to show versatility of the product. Um, number two, I want to show historical application of the product. So those, that's how those classics come into play. But most importantly, we just want to show that there's a philosophy behind a great cocktail. And it's not about number of ingredients. It's not about exoticness of ingredients. It's about correct technique, fresh ingredients, and just doing it right. And I think that's consistent with the brand straight through the entire history of Old Forester has always been based on decisions of this is just the right way to do it. So this is how we're going to do it. And we're kind of unapologetic about it. So our cocktail technique and strategy follows the exact same mantra. Um, it's not mix all. I, I No hate, one can see word. me doing quotes. I don't use the M word. I don't use the M word. I really don't. Um, I feel like I should get flogged for saying it earlier then, right? I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Just, no, it's totally fine. Everybody is welcome to their own opinion of everything. Um, I just personally don't prefer the M word. I think that bartending is an amazing craft that deserves respect in and of itself. And we don't have to like church it up into a different category in order to recognize how challenging of a career path it is for people to commit to. So old Forrester, back to the drinks. Um, They're all over the board. They're completely all over the board and on purpose, but they're all done with mindful, thoughtful technique and with balance because it's a balanced bourbon Drinks should be balanced. Life should be balanced. Everything should be ba- everything in balance. Everything in moderation and everything in balance, including old Forester and cocktails. So we talked about old fashioned. Give us give us one more. One of your favorites that you would do, and maybe like list some ingredients and how you would make it. So, so sure. our listeners might be able to try it at one point. Oh, absolutely. Sours are always a good mention. Um, personally, I feel like there's a tricky point with sours where if you're just off a little bit, it's curdled and off putting when you use egg white. Um, there's also this weird thing that happens when you mix citrus with oak for some reason. There's always like a hint of what I call dirt. And I probably shouldn't say dirt. <laughs> Earthiness, uh, if you will. Uh, yes. Like a little <laughs> fresh brown um, dirt. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Grandma's old clothes found right. in the basement. Right. <laughs> but Old Forester, as a brand, has a natural dryness on the finish. And so anything you pair it with works wonders. I think ginger especially works really well with it. And I don't mean with ginger ale, unless that's your cup of tea, then that's fine. Um but substituting Old Forester in place of a base spirit for a French 75, for example. So you're using about an ounce, an ounce and a half Old Forester, half an ounce to three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, and then using ginger syrup instead of using sugar, shaking, straining, and topping with sparkling wine. It's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. That. Yeah, so I know. Tasty. Let's make them right now. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I should have had those for we're you waiting. guys. No, I'm just kidding. I know. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. So Jackie, cool. uh, thank you once again for coming on the show today. Uh, it was great to uh, finally get this all set up, learn more about 
old Forester's history because it's it's one of those things that you always see it on the shelf, right? And it's it's one of those things that it, it actually has it has really authentic feel to it because it still is something that's owned by fifth generation Browns today. Seventy percent of Brown Foreman shareholding is still by the family. Um, so it's it's definitely something that at least in Kentucky and in Louisville, uh, the Brown name is something that's very prominent. Right. And wouldn't you trust the cities in bourbon country and their choice of bourbon? <laughs> I'm just right. saying. Trust, trust us. Trust us. <laughs> we, we know what we're talking about. So, uh, so Ryan, wrap us up. Yeah, thanks for uh, setting me straight on the, you know, the Woodford and Old Forester thing. Uh, My pleasure. Yeah, Trust now I can me. tell people and not feel so stupid about it. But no, you know, I'm not from here. I'm from Bardstown and, you know, Louisville. I, there's a lot of brands in Bardstown I'm proud of because I'm from there. But now I live in Louisville, you know, Old Forester's, you know, a part of that brand that I can connect with because it's all around the Browns, you know, have obviously had their hand in this development of this city. So it's really cool, uh, you know, to learn about it. And hopefully the listeners will get the same that I did. Fantastic. So if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Urban Pursuit. And we will see you all see next, you next time. time.